And welcome to Episode 5 of Green and Gold Forever. I'm Eric Drews, broadcasting from Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and we'll be joined shortly here by Matt McLean out in La Crosse. We're getting mighty close to the season, and we got a lot of things we can talk about. Obviously, training camp starting late last week. we got Packers family night coming up in just a few days, and then the preseason begins, and we actually get to watch them play sort of real games. But uh, right now, let's go out to lacrosse, and we'll bring in Matt here. And Matt, in honor of the newest Packers Hall of Fame inductee, say Mike Holmgren correctly. Mike Holmgren. Oh, see, is that really hard? Because even people introducing him or talking about him on his own Hall of Fame special were saying Holmgren or Holmgren, and I don't understand why nobody could say that name. Yeah, and somebody who I know who's like the biggest Packer fan I know, they still said Mike Holgram constantly, and it drives me insane. Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I feel bad for the guy, but I guess he's probably heard it so many times at this point he doesn't even care. It's really not even a difficult name. I don't get where it came from. <laughs> no, I don't either. Those people probably say Aminals, too. <laughs> okay, uh, let's talk about a few of the things about training camp. We're not going to go in-depth into training camp. Obviously, uh, uh, we both have day jobs. We're not scouts. But we'll uh, address some of the things that have been some of the hot-button issues in the first few days of camp. Um, and obviously one of the big ones has to be the re- Charlie Pepper being cut and uh, Woodson spending a lot of time at safety in early parts of camp. Uh, we speculated on this, as has uh, many other people earlier in the offseason, and thought that this seemed kind of a natural fit for Charles Woodson. And it almost seems like uh, a necessity now that uh, Charlie Pepper has been cut, which we both discussed uh, Pepra extensively in other episodes and thought that he had struggled a lot at times last year, but I have to say I was somewhat surprised by him getting released this early in camp. Uh, Matt, what was your reaction? Yeah, I was completely surprised. Like you said, we had kind of mentioned that we thought this might be the year that that Charles Woodson finally moves back to safety with a little bit of a drop-off in production last year, but just the depth that he provides, he's not the kind of guy who's going to complain if he's coming off the bench and still probably getting decent minutes at safety, um, so, and it's not like he was getting paid a ton. So, I mean, it was a little surprising. Um, I guess we don't know what kind of shape he came into camp in. Maybe there's, you know, factors that we don't know about, but it was definitely surprising. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but, of course, Charles Woodson now is probably going to have to be a big part uh, of that safety uh, position for the Packers this year, which, of course leaves open a gaping hole with the cornerbacks. Maybe not as gaping as it was uh, two, three years ago, but certainly now they're going to have to have some guys step up. Uh, Sam Shields obviously would seem to be that guy, but he's struggled mightily in camp from all reports um, to the point where even Jared Bush has been considered, talked about uh, getting a start, and Hayward, some of the newer guys as well. I hope that they can find somebody on that other side of the field to cover. Otherwise, Charles Woodson at safety is going to do nothing if they're continually picking on one guy. I expect Tremont Williams to respond quite well this year. Uh, I think last year it looked a lot worse than it actually was. He was the guy trying to cover for a lot of blown coverages. But what is your uh, feeling on that other cornerback spot if Charles Woodson has to play uh, almost exclusively at safety this season? I think it scares a lot of Packer fans big time to think that Jared Bush might be the best option opposite Tremont Williams back there. Um, I know initially I was hoping that Woodson would move back to safety just because it seemed like we have a little more, bit more depth at corner than we did at safety, but it's kind of starting not to look that way With if Sham, Sam Shields is getting benched. Sham you know, Shields is right, actually. Sham the way Shields he played is last getting <laughs> put behind Jared Bush and you know maybe even not even getting the nickel spot. That's a scary thought. I mean, Tremont Williams... Solid at corner, that part, that part's secured, but that other spot is pretty scary. Thought that that we don't really know what we're gonna have, and hopefully, you know, so I know they they keep saying that they have a lot of depth there, a lot of good young players, but somebody's got to step step up and have a big year. Otherwise, that's gonna be a really big problem spot for this defense. I really like Jared Bush. I think he's a a really good special teams player, and I'm not one of these people who wants to just completely fry the guy all the time. But he's been on the team, what, five, six seasons now? At least he's been playing significant time at nickel and dime since 07, and he never gets better. Uh, He just seems like he has no idea what to do once the ball is coming towards him, (laughs) from what I've noticed. I don't know. I can't imagine that they will start the regular season with Jared Bush as a starting cornerback. 
I don't understand how this defense can be any better than they were last year if there's that easy of a target to exploit in the passing game. There, yeah, and one of the nice things about camp at this point is somebody's going to be releasing somebody good that people don't expect to be released. Uh, now, the Packers aren't generally a team that goes out and gets those guys as much as we want them to sometimes. And generally those guys, if they sign on somewhere else, you know, they might they generally don't have too much success either again. And usually teams like New England who release these guys do it for a reason. But, we, I mean, we got to get some depth there. If these young guys don't show up and aren't ready to play immediately like Hayward, mm-hmm. um, they're going to be in big trouble. Yeah, we'll have to see. Uh, you you got to trust Ted, but, I, I mean, you got to hope this, this defense gets better because, I mean, Look at the Packers in the Aaron Rodgers era. They have had the two best offenses in terms of scoring points in the history of the Green Bay Packers have occurred in the last three years. 0-9, one and done. 2-11, one and done. They need a good defense if they're going to do anything, and that's no knock on Aaron Rodgers or, or the offense. You can't be on top of your game every single week for five months. It's just not reasonable. All right, moving on now, we're going to go to the segment that's going to take up the bulk of our show here, and that's our 2012 predictions. Now, whether or not Matt and I were doing this podcast, we would probably be making our predictions as as we've picked the record for every single team since probably we were in grade school, I would think, at least the last 10 years. We'll always uh, make our predictions for not only our division standings, but also the playoffs, and then uh, we see if we're correct. Uh, I don't think I've ever been correct with my Super Bowl pick, quite honestly. I think maybe once. I think I picked the Patriots uh, in 03. might have been the only time, but um, we're going to go into that right now, and let's go division by division, Matt, and let's save the best for last, I guess, for the, the Green Bay Packers. Let's start with the AFC, uh, and let's start with the AFC North. Now, obviously, that division... Uh, has had three teams, believe it or not, rotating as champions for a, since the division has existed, actually. Uh, but, of course, Cincinnati, the surprise winner of – or, I'm sorry, Cincinnati was a surprise playoff team last year, uh, Baltimore the winner last year of the division, and Pittsburgh also making the playoffs. So it uh, looked like a very strong division in uh, 2011, although uh, Pittsburgh, due to injury, and Cincinnati, due to, I guess, inexperience, kind of faltered towards the end of the season. Baltimore was a Wisconsin Badger, Lee Evans, drop away from Super Bowl 46. So, uh, Matt, I guess I'll let you start. Uh, AFC North, uh, what do you think is going to happen there in uh, 2012? All right, well, I think um, we probably both have the same prediction as far as the last team in the division, Cleveland. I, I don't think they have much of a chance at probably even winning more than five games. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty weak. I think especially if Brandon Whedon starts at quarterback, um, that's going to be a, probably a pretty rough season for them. So I have them at four. And I actually have Pittsburgh at three. Okay. Um, I know in a, in a past episode I picked them as my team to kind of have a slump this year, and I still feel that way, and they still don't have Mike Wallace signed. Um, they lost some, de- some defensive players over the offseason. The run game is bad. Mendenhall is still hurt. Um, and otherwise, I believe Isaac Redmond's going to be the regular starter, at least starting the season. Um, I, I guess I don't think they're getting better. Um, I think that defense is getting old. I think Roethlisberger's a great quarterback, but I, I, I think this is a season where they probably end around 7-9 and nine or 8-8, or eight and eight, somewhere around there. I just, I just don't see it. And this division as a whole, I... I think was it's been one of the stronger ones in the NFL the last few years, and I'm kind of not getting that feeling from it this year, I guess, personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have the Bengals at two, and again, I'm not even completely sold on that either. Um, I think Dalton's a good young quarterback, and A.J. Green was spectacular last year. That defense is pretty solid, I think, good enough to um, to you know get them to maybe 9-7, and 10-6. And, um, and then I have Baltimore um, winning the division probably maybe 11-5, and 10-6, somewhere around there. Okay, the main thing I agree with you there is I, I think the whole division is getting weaker. Uh, Cleveland, I, I have in last place. I actually picked them to go 6-10. and 10. I think they'll be a little bit better, but um, they have a lot of really good young talent on defense, so I think they'll be in a lot of games considering how bad the AFC is. I, when did that happen? I mean, not to sidetrack, but didn't it seem like the NFC stunk for like 10 years, and now all of a sudden it seems like the NFC has about 12 teams that could win the AFC? Yeah, I was thinking the same thing when I was going through my playoff predictions before, and we'll get more to that later, but I was thinking about how if any of these teams that I have in my NFC playoffs were in the AFC, I'd probably have them going to the Super Bowl. I'm not sold on really anybody in the AFC right now, but, I mean, we'll get more to that, but I completely agree with you there. Yeah, 
so, so I think Cleveland's got some winnable games, so I picked them at 6-10. and 10. Uh, Here's where I greatly differ. Um, I'm picking the typical Cincinnati playoff follow-up. I think they're going to go 6-10 and 10 as well. Marvin Lewis has never been able to show that he can make his teams do it two straight years. Uh, when nobody's paying attention to him, they sneak up on a lot of people. But same thing has happened on all three of his playoff teams. They start out red hot. People are starting to think, wow, the Bengals are a good team. They could do something in the playoffs. Obviously, this was the, the, the weakest of the three that he's taken to the playoffs. I think they're going to fall a lot. Um, and then I think Baltimore, even though I picked them to be kind of my weaker team, the AFC is just so weak. I can't see how they don't win 10 games. I don't think they'll win more than 10. And I actually think Pittsburgh is going to win the division. They're just one of those teams that every time I want to get rid of them, they come back and surprise me. And now I, I think they're going to be 10-6 and six too, so I guess you could flip-flop those. I just say Pittsburgh, for some reason, I think is going to win the division at 10-6, and six, uh, tied with Baltimore. Um, Honestly, I thought before the injuries that they could have made that New York Giants run in the playoffs last year before everybody on their team seemingly got hurt three weeks before the playoffs. Uh, so I'm going to go Pittsburgh 10 and six, Baltimore 10 and six, Cincinnati six and ten, Cleveland six and ten. Okay, let's go to the AFC South now. This division certainly looks different from what you're used to the AFC South uh, looking like. Uh, last year's champion were, champions were the Houston Texans. They played uh, Baltimore very tough, uh, won a playoff game for the first time in franchise history. You had the Tennessee Titans, who under Matt Hasselbeck mostly uh, was uh, off and on throughout the year. And then you have Indianapolis now with Andrew Luck. And then you have the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, so I guess I'll go first for this one. Uh, I kind of gave it away with the way I uh, introed this. I think uh, the last place team I think is going to be Jacksonville. I think they're going to be 5-11. and uh, Got a new regime in there. Uh, Maurice Jones-Drew is unhappy, which seems to be all the time. Uh, their quarterback situation is horrible. But their their defense always seems to be okay, and their, their division is pretty weak. So I'll say f- they win five games. Uh, also at 5-11, and 11, I'll put the Indianapolis Colts. I think they'll be able to win some games with Andrew Luck. Uh, I would be surprised if Luck isn't decent right away. It seems to be that the college quarterbacks nowadays are very prepared to play in the NFL. It's almost more of a shock if those very early first-round quarterback picks don't contribute right out uh, right out the shoot. I have Tennessee going at 7-9. and nine. They want to get rid of Hasselbeck, but he played somewhat decent last year, so I, I would say they're going to have kind of a quarterback problem, but I still think they're good enough to beat up on Indy and Jacksonville and some of the other weaker teams in the AFC, so I, I have them going 7-9, and nine. and then I have Houston uh, comfortably winning the division with an 11-5 and five record. Uh, really good offense. With them, it's another deal where I don't see how they don't win this division with that defense and with that offense, but... All their key guys, even already in training camp, uh, Andre Johnson is is banged up a little bit. Uh, Arian Foster has only been around uh, two years as a star and has been banged up quite a bit, and I don't think Matt Schaub's played 16 games ever in his career. Uh, if he has, it's it, it's not very often. So I'll say Houston wins that division, but I'm, I'm not expecting too much of that. I'll get into that later, but I'm not expecting too much of them in the playoffs. Okay, yeah, I I pretty much completely agree with everything you said about the division there. I, I would probably guess about the same records. I might have Houston finishing a little better, actually, just because of how bad that division is. Um, so Jacksonville and Indy, I, I agree, about 5-11. and 11. If that For, for Jacksonville, I, th- I think that they're pretty weak, especially if their best player isn't happy. Um, I think Andrew Luck will win a few games in Indy, probably about 5-11 and 11 as well. Um, Tennessee, probably the same thing as you, about 7-9, and 9 and I, I would say Houston maybe 12 and four. Okay. Um, I just think that that running game is incredible with with Tate and Foster. I, I, it was un, unstoppable last year, and yeah. Um, it kind of really depends on Schaub. Uh, he's always been pretty good, but hasn't been able to stay healthy. He's never really been as great as people thought he might be. But you know, if he has a good season, they could definitely finish 12 and four. Uh, I worry a little bit about them losing Mario Williams, but I think the rest of that defense is so good, and I think some of those young guys are really going to step up this year. So I would, yeah, pick them to comfortably win that division by at least four or five games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with most everything you said there as well. Um, all right, let's go to the AFC East now. This division has been pretty much dominated by the New England Patriots over the last uh, decade or so. And then you have some teams like Buffalo who were good and bad last year, same with the Jets, and then the Miami Dolphins, which uh, I forget have played in the league the last ten years. So uh, let's go over these teams. I think uh, last place I actually have the Buffalo Bills uh, at 6-10. and 10. Um, They started hot last year. I told people when they started 5-2 and two 
that I'd be shocked if they finished 8-8 eight and eight and they did not disappoint. Uh, I don't understand why they don't seem to understand why a quarterback is important in 2012. So I think they'll go 6-10. and 10. Uh, Again, the AFC stinks, so I imagine some teams will steal some games from one another. Miami Dolphins, another confusing quarterback situation. There's going to be a lot of different guys. I wouldn't be surprised if they started all three of those guys down there this year. So I think the Dolphins will finish 6-10 and 10 as well. I think the Jets, by virtue of playing those teams four times, will finish 9-7. and seven. I don't think Tebow will have much of an impact at all on the Jets' season. Uh, they're a good defense. Their offense is good enough to win sometimes. So I think 9-7 and seven is about right for them. And I think New England, uh, although one of these years you'd think they would have to fade somewhat, I, I just don't think this is going to be the year. It seems like they've stayed at the level they have been at for about a decade, and the rest of the AFC has fallen away from them. So I think by default they'll finish 12-4 uh, and four as one of the better teams in the AFC once again. All right. Well, I have uh, I have the Bills finishing a little better, but I have the Dolphins at the bottom. I think this is one of the worst teams in the NFL. Okay. Um, I, I thought Matt Moore was pretty good last year. I know they finished out pretty good after having a really bad start. Uh, so I think if he starts, they have a pretty good chance. But as of right now, I think it sounds like Garrard's the starter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, decent running backs, Daniel Thomas, Reggie Bush. But I don't know any receivers besides. Uh, who is it, Devon Bess? Yeah. <laughs> if he's your only receiver that I know, that's probably not good news for you. So I, I think they'll probably be 4-12. and 12. I have the Bills around 8-8. Eight and eight. I think they're a lot better than you gave them credit for. I think they have more offensive talent than you gave them credit for. Mm-hmm. Um, if Fred Jackson stays healthy, you have C.J. Spiller, uh, Stevie Johnson. And, yeah, the big question mark is Fitzgerald. And they tried to get you know invest in the quarterback position by giving him that contract, but unfortunately it seems – and I think all of us kind of thought when they gave it to him, it seemed kind of premature. He had a few good weeks and finishing up the season pretty poorly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that defense is good enough. I think there's enough talent for them to go 8-8, eight and eight, steal some games. And honestly, I wouldn't be shocked if they got the wild card. Mm. Um, but my next spot, I have the Jets. Uh, I think they'll probably finish around 10-6 and six just because, the, you know, the weakness around the AFC, that defense is still good. I think Sanchez will have a little bit of a bounce back here this year with the extra pressure behind him and, and I agree, I don't think Tebow has hardly any effect on the outcome you know, of any of their games, really, unless Sanchez get hurt, gets hurt. Um, I thought he was a good signing because I feel like he fits that team well in terms of their defense. You saw what happened with the Broncos last year. Mm-hmm. Their offense wouldn't score, their defense would keep him alive, and then you know he'd score late, which this is the t- kind of defense that could do that. So yeah. um, if anybody can handle having a, a ball control or a, you know, a time control quarterback like that that just makes plays towards the end of games, it's the Jets. And then I have the Pats finishing first. I agree. It seems like one of these years they're going to fade. Brady's getting older. This defense is always bad. I don't know who their starting running back is anymore. Maybe (laughs) Stephen Ridley, I think, possibly. I'm not sold on anything besides Brady, but he's been enough to get them, you know, the best record in the AFC countless times, take them to the Super Bowl. So I'm not going to count them out yet either. So I'll say Patriots 12-4. and Yeah, it looks like we're pretty much online there. Obviously, uh, our, our opinions on the Bills change a little bit, but... Let's go to the last division in the AFC, rightfully so, uh, being the AFC West, uh, which about 10 years ago was one of the better divisions in all of football. Certainly not the case anymore. Uh, Last place I have, actually who I picked to be the worst team in the AFC this year, is the Kansas City Chiefs. I just have no confidence in this team. Uh, I know they went to the playoffs a couple years ago and then got demolished. Uh, A lot of their guys got hurt last year, I understand that. Uh, But trying to get all those guys acclimated again, they're... Three of their four biggest offensive weapons are coming off major injuries. And uh, Castle just never been that impressed with him. You could do worse, but you could certainly do a lot better. Uh, so I have them going 4-12, and 12, believe it or not. Uh, I actually have the Oakland Raiders going 7-9. and nine. Uh, I think they have a good defense. I expect them to be a little better on offense, having Carson Palmer there a full year. Um, so I think they'll be good. And again, another really good running game. Uh, Darren McFadden was banged up a little bit last year, so I think they'll be able to beat up on some of the lesser teams in the uh, AFC and threaten a playoff push, but I think they'll fade away in the end. Uh, San Diego, I think, will go 9-7, and seven, pretty much their MO these days. Uh, they're good enough to beat the worst teams, not good enough to beat the best teams, so I think they'll go 9-7. and seven. And I actually think the Denver Broncos are going to repeat as division champions with Peyton Manning with a 9-7 and seven record. I still think that defense is really good, and I think if they were able to win with Tim Tebow, even with the Peyton Manning that hasn't been in the system and is banged up, uh, I don't see how they don't win enough games to win that division. 
I, I pretty much agree with where you had everybody, except I'm going to swap Oakland and Kansas City. Um, I think Carson Palmer has shown that he's he's probably not going to get better at this point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they they lose some players. Uh, they don't have Osmo anymore. Obviously, he played for Philadelphia last year. I just don't think there's enough talent for this team, even in a weak AFC. They'll probably pick off a couple of wins, but not good enough to beat anybody substantial. And um, so I have Kansas City. They're kind of they're almost the exact same thing as the Buffalo Bills to me. Mm-hmm. Same team, you know, one good receiver, a good running game, and a quarterback that you know is good at best, but you don't quite know what you're going to get out of them. And some talent on defense. So I wouldn't be shocked if they go maybe nine and seven, um, but I also wouldn't be shocked if they go six and ten. So yeah. I would say they're probably about middle of the road, seven and nine, eight and eight. Um, same thing for San Diego, nine and seven. Same thing you said. They're good enough to beat bad teams, not good enough to beat anybody decent. Um, and Denver, I have winning as well. Um, if Peyton's healthy, I think they're good enough. That defense looked good, other than the you know the divisional round last year. Um, and I think if he plays, you know, anywhere near how he used to play, they they should be able to win this division pretty easily. But I wouldn't be shocked if anybody you know if anybody won this division out of this, just because it seems so weak. Mm-hmm. So. These teams could completely swap around, and I wouldn't be shocked. Um, but I, I think Denver probably has a slight edge at this point. Yeah, I agree with that last sentiment you said, too. Uh, it really, even even as bad as I said Kansas City was, um, that division just is weird. You get a few injuries here and there, and it totally could invert of what I said it would be. All right, and now let's go to the NFC, uh, the older of the two conferences, the established uh, conference. Let's start in the always fun NFC West. Uh, you got San Francisco, who was a fumbly kick returner away from going to the Super Bowl last year. Uh, believe it or not, as, as weird as it sounds, the the, AFC, or the NFC West uh, has had a lot of playoff success for how bad they've uh, got the reputation of being in the regular season. Uh, Arizona, Seattle have both been to the Super Bowl since the realignment. Uh, the Rams made it the year before, and of course... Uh, were a really good team in 03, uh, been in the playoffs uh, other time as well. And then San Francisco made it to the overtime in the NFC Championship game last year. So as, as much fun as people have making fun of the NFC West, uh, they tend to put their money where their mouth is come uh, crunch time. Uh, with that being said, I'll say uh, I'll start with my fourth place team, the St. Louis Rams, who won as many games the last five years as the Green Bay Packers won in 2011 which is pretty embarrassing. Uh, they now have Jeff Fisher, which I really like Jeff Fisher, but uh, I always thought he was somewhat overrated in Tennessee. Uh, he, he gets this reputation like he's one of the, he's like Bill Cower or something, when in actuality Jeff Fisher was in Tennessee for, what, 16 seasons, got him to one Super Bowl, a couple of good years here and there, but really spent the last five, six years with everybody calling him a great coach and his team's underperforming. Um, I'll say Seattle will go 8-8. Eight and eight. Uh, I, I really like this team uh, in a lot of ways, and then there's other parts of them that really are unproven. I don't really trust yet uh, the quarterback position. I would like to see Matt Flynn uh, win the job, but uh, I, I don't know exactly what's going to happen out there yet. But uh, I think Seattle could finish 8-8. Eight and eight. I think Arizona is going to be 8-8 eight and eight as well, so you can flip-flop them in Seattle, but I just picked Arizona second here. I thought they came on strong in the second half of last year. Uh, if they could look at what they did, uh, they can score points somewhat. Uh, I think they're they're a scrappy team. I, I can't really describe why I think they'll go 8-8, eight and eight, but Ken Wisenhunt's a lot better coach than I thought he would be, and so I think Arizona is going to uh, do okay in that division. And uh, despite me being very skeptical of how good San Francisco was last year. Uh, I, I think they were a good team. I think they had a really good defense. I don't think they uh, were as good as their record. Uh, but I still see them going 11-5 and five and, and winning this division pretty easily. Okay, yeah, and I, I agree. I think St. Louis is easily the bottom feeder on this division here. Um, I could see a little bit of a bounce back. Maybe Bradford plays a little better, but they're just not good enough. This defense is bad. Jackson's getting old. Really, no receiving depth. So I would say maybe three and thirteen, four and twelve, um, and the the next three I, I kind of had a hard time with here. Um, I know in our previous episode I picked Seattle as kind of my dark horse this year, but I'm kind of backing off that a little bit just because uh, Marshawn Lynch arrested for another DUI. Mm. Um, I'm assuming he's going to be suspended for at least a few games, considering he's a multiple time offender. Yeah. Um, and Matt Flynn, I really expected. I thought he was going to be the the clear starter here. Um, and the fact that it seems like there's such a controversy and that he can't, you know, hasn't 
clearly, you know, taken Travars Jackson's job yet. Yeah, that's got to be concerning me. for them. Yeah, that kind of scares me a little bit. I, you wouldn't think that would be too tough of a job to win over. So um, I'm going to – I kind of back off that a little bit. I have Seattle at 8-8 eight and eight as well um, and Arizona at 8-8 eight and eight as well. I, but I think Arizona really has the potential to maybe even win this division this year. I think this is a really good team, um, but it all depends on Kevin Cobb. Yeah. They're, they have a good running game in Beanie Wells. And Ryan Williams, is that the Virginia Tech guy that they drafted the running back? Yep. Um, and then they have obviously – yeah, obviously have Larry Fitzgerald, Michael Floyd. Um, so I think it's a good young receiving core, a good defense. They played really well at the end of the year and won a lot of games. So I think this team has a chance to be really good. Um, and, you know, I have San Francisco at, in first place with a, probably a pretty good record for, you know, beating up on St. Louis and some other weak teams. But I really wouldn't be too shocked if they had another drop-off. We've seen them do it before. Mm-hmm. Um, but that defense is so good, and I think the run game is probably good enough that they win the division again. Um, but I'll say probably around 10-6 and six for them winning the division. Okay. Yeah, it looks like we're pretty much on the same page with that. Uh, let's go to the NFC East. Uh, some of the uh, most successful franchises in NFL history reside there. Of course, the uh, defending Super Bowl champion New York Giants, still not used to saying that, are in the NFC East. Uh, you have the Philadelphia Eagles, who was everybody's pick last year to go to the Super Bowl, the Dallas Cowboys, and then, of course, the Washington Redskins. I'll start at the bottom. I think Washington is going to be around 5-11 and 11 again. I fully expect RG3 to be pretty productive in his first year. I also think he'll make a lot of mistakes. I, I'm almost expecting him to have the almost identical season that Cam Newton had last year. Uh, feels like the talent level around him may be a little better, but I, I just don't expect much from him, especially in the NFC. You just have a lot of tough opponents that he's going to lose a lot of close games, I think, but at the end it's it's going to look bad. So I, I think 5-11 uh, and 11 for Washington. I think Dallas is not going to do much of anything. I, I have them actually at 7-9. and nine. I feel like their their window of opportunity was never that wide open to begin with, and I think it's slowly closing. Tony Romo, I, I always thought, was a little bit more harshly criticized than he deserved, but uh, the last few years, even when he was healthy, he just hasn't been all that impressive. Uh, they have some talent, but I just don't trust them to put it all together. Uh, I have, at 11-5, and five, I have uh, the two other two teams in the division, both at 11 and 5. I actually have Philadelphia winning the division. I have the New York Giants at 11 and 5. They always seem to respond to their fluky playoff years with a really solid regular season. And Philadelphia came out really strong last year. I feel like they're going to be out to prove something this year. I, I think Michael Vick obviously has to stay healthy, but I, I think they'll be able to make somewhat of a charge. I am almost expecting them to start really, really hot and then sort of cool off towards the end of the year, but I think they're going to win the division at 11-5 and over the 11-5 and New York Giants. Okay, yeah, and I completely agree with your Washington pick. I think he's that RG3 is going to be a lot like Cam Newton, probably a pretty similar record, pretty similar talent around him. Um, so I'll, I'll agree with you there. Probably have a lot of close games, be a tough team to play against, but um, probably not the record that they'd want to have, maybe 5-11, and 6-10. and 10. Um, I have Dallas finishing a little better than you, probably 9-7, and seven, I would say. Um, I think DeMarco Murray looked pretty darn good last season. Uh, Romo's good enough. Obviously, obviously, this team's good enough to win games, but um, again, I don't think they're good enough to be elite. And as far as the top of the division, I agree with you. Um, Philadelphia, I think they'll finish just behind New York. I think Philly's going to go 10-6. and six. I think I, the reason I don't trust this team is because Michael Vick. I think if they, they had really any kind of ball control, offense, quarterback, even say like maybe Matt Schaub or Joe Flacco, just kind of a, a good quarterback, not great, I would maybe pick this team to go to the Super Bowl just because the run game's there. They have a ton of receiving talent. Mm-hmm. The defense is loaded. I just don't trust him. He, he's going to put up numbers, but I just don't trust him to win big games. Um you don't think so, they can put in Trent Edwards and Cruz to the Super Bowl? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Uh, so. Vic's probably the best option they have on the roster, but but I don't. I don't. I think he's good enough to have him finish with a good record, not good enough to really make a serious playoff run. Okay. Um, and then the Giants at eleven and five, like you said, um, just all around solid. Really, probably about as you know all around talented as about anybody in the NFC. Uh, maybe along with us in Chicago, mm-hmm. um, those kind of teams. So uh, I'll say they that they win the division. Okay. Yeah, I can't really disagree with that because I, I struggle with that pick uh, a lot. But, yeah, general consensus, I guess, between the two of us is that the Giants and Philly are the, the two teams to beat there. Uh, going on to the NFC South, which obviously uh, this is a real 
uh, interesting division with the New Orleans Saints uh, problems this offseason. Uh, we'll start at the bottom. I think Tampa Bay is going to have a rough go of it. Uh, I picked them to go 5-11, and 11, and I actually think that's being a, a little generous. Uh, I thought their 10-6 and 6 team the year before was one of the most unexplainable things I've ever seen in the NFL. Uh, they just don't seem to be very talented anywhere. Uh, they got some guys that are okay and on a week-to-week occasion can, can do some things, but they just don't seem to be good enough at any particular position to really threaten the other teams in that division. So I have them at 5-11. and 11. Uh, I think Carolina's going to be better this year, but not noticeably better. I, I still think even with as, as bad as New Orleans offseason has been, probably the worst uh, a team has had in the last 50 years, I still think they're strong enough. And Atlanta, I think, is still solid enough to hold off Carolina. And I think Carolina's going to lose a lot of cheap ones to some really good teams. Uh, they're just too young. Uh, so I have them going 7-9, and nine, which is one game better than they were last year. I have New Orleans taking a bit of a slide. I think they're going to go 9-7. Uh, and seven. Uh, I think they're still a really, really talented team, but it's going to be really hard for them. And I have a lot of feeling, or I have a feeling that a lot of teams are going to be jazzed up to play the Saints. They're going to be the team that everybody's going to want to beat, and they're going to want to beat really bad. Especially, even with the bounty, I felt like everybody in the NFL knew last year that the New Orleans Saints were just trying to run up the score on people down at the Superdome, which... You know, more power to them, but if I was on a football team, I certainly wouldn't like that to happen to me. So they got some tough games, too, especially coming to Green Bay, and, and they're going to have to play the Giants again, and they're going to have to play the Niners again, and these teams are good enough to really put the hurt on uh, a team in disarray like that. So I think uh, New Orleans is going to slide, but they're going to definitely uh, win enough to stay in playoff contention. And I think Atlanta's going to sneak away with this division with a 10-6 and record. Never been all that impressed with the Mike Smith, uh, Matt Ryan group, but... Uh, they always seem to win games. It'll be another uh, Atlanta Falcons season. They'll average 24 points a game. They'll give up about 18, and uh, they'll win uh, more than they lose. So I think Atlanta will win this division this year, uh, barely at 10 and 6. All right, I think um, I agree with you. Tampa at the bottom. I think this is probably the worst team in football. Maybe along with Jacksonville, one of the two there. Mm-hmm. Um, but Tampa being in the NFC, I I think maybe three and 13. Um, I've never been sold on Josh Freeman, even when he played well. I. I just didn't see it, I guess. And I wasn't sold on him at Kansas State. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't think he's – if he's their best player, I, I just don't think they have enough talent. Um, so I say 3-13 there. Carolina, I think this team is, is talented enough to maybe make a run at a wild card, but I don't think it's quite this season yet. Um, I think this is a team probably next year we'll be talking about, all right, they're ready to make a playoff run. Um, so I, I think about 8-8 eight and eight there. Uh, New Orleans, I, I agree, probably a little bit of a slide. Uh, I actually have them missing the playoffs barely, um, finishing 10-6. and six. Their defense was bad enough, and now they lose Vilma, one of their leaders, one of their best players. And I think it's just such a distraction. Like, even today, Drew Brees came out and said the, the things about Roger G- Goodell and nobody trusts him. Um, it just seems like the focus is elsewhere, and it's just an excuse for them to you know have a mediocre season. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Atlanta's actually going to finish 12-4. and four. Oh, wow. I th- you look at their schedule this year. I was kind of looking at it a little bit. They have ten indoor games, um, and they only play three ten-win opponents all season, and only one of those is on the road. Oh, wow. So I think it's one of the easiest schedules in football. They have all these dome games, um, and that's where they're best. And I, I just think they're good enough um, to you know beat some of these good teams and and finish with a really good record. Although I maybe don't feel like they're a twelve and four team, I feel like their record's going to be right up there. Okay, yeah, I can see that. Those are those are some good arguments. I didn't realize they had uh, that many indoor games, but all right. And now to the main event, uh, the division that contains our Green Bay Packers. Uh, let's start at the bottom. No surprises here. The Minnesota Vikings. Uh, at least they got their stadium done, so they got that to hang their hat on. But I don't see many uh, bright days ahead for the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, Adrian Peterson coming off a big injury, and uh, he's had some problems this off season as well, hasn't he? Yeah, he got arrested at a nightclub. I don't. I know there was charges. I don't know if anything's really been. Um, if he's really been accused of anything yet, but but is. But yeah, I think he got. Uh, he was resisting arrest in a club, something like oh, that. Oh yeah, something along those lines. Uh, well, anyway, that's not good good news for your best player on the team. Uh, so I have a Minnesota going about five and eleven. I feel that's a little high. I, I always tend to pick teams a little bit more conservatively, but uh, I could. I wouldn't be surprised if they went three and thirteen. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they went six and ten, but I, I don't think they'll 
they'll lose double digits, I'm pretty sure of. Uh, this is where we might differ a little bit. Uh, I picked Detroit to be third, only at 9-7. and seven. I felt last year they were a bit of a fraud, starting 5-0, and oh, uh, finishing 6-5 uh, and five in their last 11 games. Uh, I really think this team is good and young, but... I just don't feel they can hold it together, uh, especially being a, a second-place team. They're going to have some tough games this year. I, I just, uh, and especially when they have two other teams that are very good in that division. I just, I'm not sure Detroit can stay in it the whole season. They just, even in the off season, when anybody remarks about them, they just seem like the dude in the tap-out shirt standing at by the bar, uh, and they're just, you're just waiting for them to blow up. And when you got a four-month grind, I just don't think that spells good things for Detroit. They'll be in the mix, but I don't think they're going to make the step that people, some people seem to expect. Uh, this actually was a lot harder for me than I thought it would be, uh, trying to pick who would win this division. Uh, and maybe I didn't go completely with my own objective analysis, but uh, second place I picked the Chicago Bears. I think they'll be 11-5. and five. I wouldn't be surprised if they were 12-4, and four, or honestly I wouldn't even be that surprised if they were maybe even 13-3. and three. I think this team is really, really good this year. Um, Jay Cutler, obviously, uh, coming back from an injury, but... He was playing red hot last year. The whole team was playing red hot. When Jay Cutler got hurt, or right before he got hurt, they were the team that I was worried was going to come in and beat the Packers uh, in the playoffs. Uh, I really didn't expect it to happen from the Giants, but the Bears I was scared to death of. Um, They have Matt Forte. They have Michael Bush. They have Brandon Marshall. Um, Even without uh, Michael Bush and Brandon Marshall last year, they were scoring a lot of points. I still think that defense is young enough to to bully some teams. Uh, Julius Peppers, when he is on, he might be the best defensive uh, lineman in the the NFL, maybe even the best defensive player. So I think the Bears will be 11-5, and and I think the Green Bay Packers will still win the division. Their defense at times scares me to death, but I just think their schedule is pretty easy uh, relatively for, for the talent they have. I just think they're going to score, if, if their guys can stay healthy, their core guys, I just think they're going to score too many points for most teams in football, and I actually picked them to have the best record in the league this year with 13-3. and So I think the Packers will be the one seed once again. And I completely agree with you on most of these here. Minnesota at the bottom, I would say probably about 4-12. and um, Move along here. Detroit, I completely agree. I don't think this team has the mental fortitude or even the intelligence. I mean, you look at what's happened this off season. It's like you got to be kidding me. These guys are getting arrested, you know, multiple times for the same thing, mm-hmm. um, making millions of dollars and getting arrested for, you know, a DUI twice. <laughs> it it just doesn't make sense to me. And this defense isn't good enough. Um, the defensive line might be good, but we've yet to really see that come together with their young players. And and Fairley's been in trouble constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, the only two players I like on this team really are are Stafford and Johnson, and I don't know if that's quite enough to get you to the playoffs again. Yeah. Um, Chicago, I've, I keep hearing all offseason how this is the best team in the NFC, and I keep being like, are you kidding me? Like, what about the Packers? And I keep hearing about how deep they are, but I guess this offensive line is, is pretty poor. Mm-hmm. Um, and the defense is just, I'm not completely sold. Peppers is good. Um, Erlacher's getting older. Briggs is getting older. I don't really know too many of their secondary guys. Um I, I don't think it's one of the top five defenses anymore, and I think they'll be good. The Brandon Marshall signing scares me a lot as a Packer fan. Yeah. I think this offense is going to be really dynamic, but I guess we'll have to see how the offensive line plays, um, in my opinion. I, they could be really good if that offensive line comes together, but I think that's the key. So I'll say maybe 10-6 and six for them. Okay. Um, and 13-3 and three for the Packers. I completely agree. I wouldn't be surprised if they went 14-2. and two. Mm-hmm. Um one of the best overall teams in the NFL. The defense, I think, will be better. We'll see what happens in the secondary. And, uh, but otherwise, I think they're good enough to kind of pull off again what they were last year. I definitely don't think they're any worse than they were last year. Um, I don't, don't know necessarily if that means they'll go 15-1 and one again, mm-hmm. but I think they're right where they were last year. Yeah, I agree. That's a good point about saying that a lot of people are worried about the defense, but their defense was the worst defense of all time last year, and they went 15-1. and one, So... Um... I wouldn't say they're going to go better than that. Obviously, we had a comment from uh, Caleb on Facebook when we put that out there earlier today, and he said, I'm just going to go out and say it, 19-0. I don't know about that, but you got to wonder if those guys going to bed at night in their 60s are going to think, if we had, uh, like, the 27th best defense in football last year, or in 2011, that uh, we might be remembered as the greatest team in history. Uh, But, yeah, we'll see. I I think... uh, it's an interesting thing with the, the Bears and Packers. Uh, should be a dogfight, especially with some games against each other late. 
Uh, let's go to the playoffs real quick. I know this has been really long, but we like talking about this stuff, and uh, hopefully you like listening to it somewhat. Let's go with the AFC playoffs first. My one seed is New England. My two seed is Houston. Those are the buys. My three seed will be Pittsburgh. Uh, four seed is Denver. Uh, the four seeded Denver Broncos will host the Baltimore Ravens in the wild card round, and the Pittsburgh Steelers will host the San Diego Chargers. So the, the teams barely missing the playoffs in the AFC are the uh, – uh, the New York Jets and the Tennessee Titans and, I guess, the Oakland Raiders. Uh, but the New York Jets is the main one. I have uh, Baltimore beating Denver in the first round. I have the Steelers beating San Diego. Then I have Pittsburgh and Houston. I actually have Pittsburgh beating Houston. So I have a lot more faith in Pittsburgh for, for some reason than you do. Um, I have New England beating the Ravens. And then uh, uh, Pittsburgh has never fared well against New England. I actually have New England repeating as AFC champions and continuing the trend that that will make 10 straight years, I believe, uh, that either New England, Pittsburgh, or Indianapolis has represented the AFC in the Super Bowl. All right, and I have uh, I have Houston as my one seed in that bad division, beating up on them. Um, New England at the two seed. And then I have uh, Baltimore at three, Denver at four, the Jets at five, and the Bengals at six. I, I hope that goes along with the records I had kind of predicted before. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have, uh, let's see here, the Jets beating Denver uh, in the first round, and I have the Ravens beating the Bengals, uh, Houston beating the, the New York Jets, uh, the, pa- the Patriots beating the Ravens, and then I have Houston beating the Patriots to go on to the Super Bowl. Um, I just feel like if Shaw plays decent, like I said, I think that pass rush coming at Brady is enough to throw him off sure. um, and have one of those games where he kind of looks timid sometimes against the pass rush, like in the Super Bowl against the Giants both times. Um, I think they're good enough to do that. So I think in a weak AFC, I think Houston's my pick this year. Okay, yeah, it's a solid reasoning there. Uh, it certainly could happen. Maybe I just don't have the guts to not pick <laughs> New England at this point. Uh, let's go to the NFC now. One seed, I have the Green Bay Packers. At the two seed, I have the San Francisco 49ers. At three, I have the Philadelphia Eagles. At four, I have the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, the five seed at the Falcons in the first round is the Chicago Bears. And then uh, at the Philadelphia Eagles is the New York Football Giants as a six seed. Uh, in the first round, I have Chicago beating the Falcons to continue Matt Ryan's phenomenal playoff record. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles beating the New York Giants at home. Uh, the second round... Packers-Bears, which I stared at this for a while today. Uh, I think the Packers would beat the Bears. I think it would be an ugly, ugly game, similar to the NFC Championship game. I think the Packers beat the Bears. I, I just I don't trust Jay Cutler in the playoffs, especially the Packers just seem to... As bad as their defense was last year, they played probably their best game of the year uh, against the good teams last year was probably against Chicago at Soldier Field. So I think uh, the Packers can slow them down. Uh, and I think the uh, Philadelphia Eagles actually are going to beat the San Francisco 49ers out in Candlestick. And then in the NFC Championship game, Packers-Eagles. If this actually happens, I am going to probably not sleep that week because this matchup scares me to death. Of all the games in 2010, I'm still somewhat shocked that the Green Bay Packers actually won in Lincoln Financial Field. This time it will be at Lambeau, so I think the Green Bay Packers move on to Super Bowl 47. All right, and I have uh, Packers at one, I have Falcons at two, um, 49ers at three, Giants at four, winning the East, Bears at five, Eagles at six, so I have New Orleans just barely missing the playoffs. Um, so I have, yeah, um, I have Eagles over 49ers in the first matchup, uh, and Bears over Giants in the wild card round as well. Um, I have Falcons over Bears, which this was a tough one for me. Um, I just think it's about time the Falcons make a step. Um, I think they take out the Bears there. And I have the Packers-Eagles here. So the same thing you said, this was a tough one for me, and mostly because that 2010 wildcard game was a tough one. I feel like the Eagles are better now. Maybe we aren't quite as deep, um, but I still am going to pick the Packers here to win that game in Lambeau is one of the big reasons there. Um, And then I have Packers over Falcons in the NFC Championship game. Um, So that lands me with Packers in Houston. Um, Tough one here, but I think the Packers uh, would pull it out in the Super Bowl then over Houston. Okay, uh, yeah, I, I didn't share my uh, Super Bowl pick of Packers-Patriots. Uh, I had a rematch of Super Bowl 31. Uh, the Super Bowl that it feels like has almost happened three or four times in the last five years. Uh, so I think here it finally does. 
Um, very conservative pick, obviously. Yeah, go out on a limb and pick Packers. Patriots as the Super Bowl. This matchup, again, scares me. I feel like Tom Brady would torch our defense quite easily, uh, but I don't think their defense would have a prayer against our offense. Uh, I think the Packers win that game. So uh, call us homers, I guess, but we both picked the Packers to win the Super Bowl. Um, I, I, I can't say I would bet a lot of money on it, but I, I feel like if they play up to their potential, if it, all things equal, if every team in the, the NFL stays healthy and they all play up to their potential, the Packers are the best team is basically what I'm saying. I agree there, and I, I, I haven't seen a whole lot of like uh, the national sports guys' picks, but I, I agree. I think they're the, they're the most complete, maybe not the most complete, but at least the most talented team, um, and I think the defense will turn it around a little bit. I'm not completely sold on them winning the Super Bowl, but to me, it's who else, really? Who else do I feel comfortable um, saying is going to win the Super Bowl? And to me, they're, you know, far and away the best team. Um, so, you know, there could be injuries, you know, things could happen, this defense could be even worse than last year, God forbid, but um, I just think that they are the best team. So, like I said, who else is going to take it? And I, I really think that, that they're going to win another one this year. Well, I certainly hope we're both right. Uh, it's one of those things that's it might be the hardest trophy to capture in uh, professional sports we'll see hopefully the Packers can put it all together and make it number 14 for Titletown Uh, so that's our very in-depth predictions of what we expect in 2012 we reserve the right to change our mind if uh, somebody gets hurt in training camp later this week or any week in the preseason okay uh, after this uh, we're gonna do our what if segment which we actually had submitted to us by a Facebook user and uh, it's what what if the Green Bay Packers would have won Super Bowl 32? So we'll get to that in just a moment. And welcome back to Green and Gold Forever. We're moments away from our What If segment, but if you'd like to get in touch with the show and submit your own What If segments for future episodes, you can email us at greenandgoldpodcast at gmail.com. You can also tweet us, Green Gold Forever. That's Green Gold, the number four, the word ever. You can also go on YouTube, uh, Green Gold Forever. Uh, you can get past What If segments and other segments from the show. And you can also go to our Facebook page, which is Green and Gold Forever Podcast. That's on Facebook. What if the past had turned out differently? The Green Bay Packers have won the Super Bowl. I was told that playing in Green Bay was not an option. With the 24th selection in the 2005 NFL Draft, the Green Bay Packers select Aaron Rodgers, quarterback, California. And Mikowski appears hurt. Oh, uh, Mikowski's in great pain, Ahmad. And reliable sources now tell CBS Sports that Parcells is very close to accepting a Green Bay Packers offer. Gentlemen, let me introduce to you the new head coach of the Green Bay Packers, Mr. Phil Bankston. What would the past look like? What would the future look like if? And actually on our Facebook page is where we got uh, this episode's What If Topic, and Matt's going to give that for us right now. All right, so yeah, we got a great idea from uh, Joseph Read It and Weep More. Um, he said it, he thought it would be a great idea if uh, to talk about if the Packers had beaten the Broncos in Super Bowl 32. Um, he says, do the Broncos potentially win three consecutive Super Bowls? Does that extend the Holmgren era? Does it enshrine Favre as the most notable Packer ever, etc.? So um, we'll kind of be talking on a little bit of that, but I, the topic being if the Packers win Super Bowl 32. The 1996 Green Bay Packers were one of the greatest teams in Packers history and arguably one of the best teams of the Super Bowl era. They were one of only two Super Bowl champions to score the most points and allow the fewest throughout their championship season. They won half of their regular season games by three touchdowns or more and outscored their playoff opponents by more than 17 points per game. Their two-time reigning NFL MVP quarterback Brett Favre was just 27 years old and following the Super Bowl 31 championship signed a contract that would keep him in Green Bay for years to come and make him the highest paid player in league history. Their brilliant head coach Mike Holmgren was just 48. Pivotal stars like Leroy Butler, Antonio Freeman, Mark Chimura, Dorsey Levins, Robert Brooks and Gilbert Brown were all under the age of 30. A dynasty seemed inevitable. The Packers entered 1997 as the odds-on favorite to repeat as champions. Though not as dominant as their 1996 team, the 97 Packers still started with an 8-2 record to match the start of their championship counterparts, but they would lose an embarrassing shootout to the 0-10 Indianapolis Colts in mid-November. 
Following that setback, the Packers awoke and regained their championship form. They destroyed seven straight opponents, allowing fewer than 12 points a game in those contests. The offense scored nearly 28 points per game during that stretch, and Brett Favre clinched his unprecedented third straight league MVP award. The Packers were playing their best football in years and arrived in San Diego for Super Bowl 32 at the doorstep of Dynasty. But no one told the Denver Broncos. The underrated, underappreciated, and 11-point underdog Broncos took it to the Packers in one of the most hard-fought physical Super Bowls in history. The Packers trailed 31-24 with just a minute 39 to play and 70 yards away from the tying score. The Packers put together a gutty drive, but Favre's final Super Bowl pass fell to the turf incomplete on 4th down and 8, and the Packers' instant dynasty fell 32 yards short. The following season, the Packers were still one of the best teams in football. Favre led the league in passing yardage. Antonio Freeman led in receiving yardage. Hall of Famer Reggie White won Defensive Player of the Year. But the pursuit of another championship was overshadowed by constant speculation over the future of Mike Holmgren. It had long been known that the coach wanted the chance to build his own winner as both head coach and general manager. Despite a rough season filled with injuries and an overwhelming division challenger in the Minnesota Vikings, the Packers finished 11-5 and were still a dark horse to win Super Bowl 33. But the dream of two titles in three years died at Candlestick Park with just three seconds remaining as Steve Young hit Terrell Owens for the game-winning score to defeat the Packers 30-27. Within days, Reggie White was retired and Mike Holmgren was the head coach and general manager of the Seattle Seahawks. Green Bay's dynasty was dead. But what if the Packers had won Super Bowl 32? Would that spark have propelled them to win another Super Bowl in 1998? Would Mike Holmgren have stayed in Green Bay to pursue a dynasty of unprecedented proportions? And how is Brett Favre's legacy different? What if the 1997 Packers had won Super Bowl 32? Okay, and now that's the backstory on this What If segment. Uh, thanks again, Joseph, uh, for sending that in. I uh, see Joseph is from uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee, so we got Packer fans all over the country here, and we uh, definitely appreciate you uh, giving us this great idea for a What If segment. I guess I'll start this time around. Um, the Packers, obviously, in 1997, were probably the best team in football. Uh, they weren't as good as they were in 96, but uh, they were very, very good. Uh, that 11-point spread that they had for Super Bowl 32 actually is one of the more uh, ridiculous spreads in Super Bowl history. Although the Packers, I believe, were a better team, uh, the Denver Broncos in 1997 were very, very good. They were the highest-scoring team in the NFL. Uh, they had a lot of really good things going for them. Uh, they had a 12-4 and record, which you know is, is a very good record for a uh, wild-card team. Uh, so I think Denver, uh, certainly, the loss to Denver is not as bad as it may have appeared at the time. Uh, but let's assume that the Packers do win the game. They were very, very close. Uh, coming into 1998, uh, Believe it or not, the people remember Holmgren and having his tumultuous 1998. Actually, there were rumors immediately following Super Bowl 32 that he was going to leave and go to Seattle, uh, and he decided to stay in Green Bay. Uh, it was for the same reason he left in 1999. He had no ill will against the uh, against the franchise. He really liked it here, but he wanted to give it a try at general manager. Him and Ron Wolf even had a pretty good working relationship. He just wanted to be able to have that role. Uh, so 1998, they obviously had a very good team, uh, a Super Bowl contender. Uh, 98 is one of those really weird years where uh, Minnesota, of course, uh, highest-scoring team of all time at the time, uh, dominated that division and, uh, quite frankly, made the Packers look pretty pretty bad in both of the losses to them that year. Uh, Atlanta, 14-2, and uh, a very strange team that year as well. Uh, the Green Bay Packers, of course, went 11 and 5. That's the year that Dorsey Levens came off the 15 or the 1400-yard season and uh, broke his ankle and early in the season. They had absolutely no running game. Uh, they did have a very, very good um, year from Antonio Freeman. Uh, that was the year, the first year under uh, Holmgren since Brett Favre really reformed himself that he started to have interception problems again. Uh, he did lead the NFL in uh, uh, passing yards. Uh, with uh, 4,200. He had 31 touchdowns, but he also threw 23 interceptions. Uh, like I said, Antonio Freeman, uh, very good. He was an all-pro that year. Uh, 84 catches, 1,424 yards, 14 touchdowns. Uh, was uh, near the top of the league at all of those. Uh, that's the year Roel Preston was very good for them as a kick returner. Uh, and Reggie White was the defensive player of the year uh, with 16 sacks. So they certainly had a lot of talent that year. Um, quite frankly... 
if they win Super Bowl 32, I don't think 1998 changes a whole heck of a lot. I think that the Minnesota Vikings kind of caught lightning in a bottle that year. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons were pretty good. Uh, the Packers just had a lot of problems in 1998, and I don't think them losing the Super Bowl in 97 really changed that 98 team very much, uh, especially considering the fact that the Packers really lost a, a very hard-fought game to a team that proved they were pretty good. I mean, remember, Denver was 13-3 and in 96, so it wasn't exactly like losing to some crummy, loser, 9-7 and New York team that had no business even being in the playoffs. It was losing to a, a team that had established themselves the year before as one of the best in the NFL, Terrell Davis was very good. They had, remember, they had Neil Smith on defense. They had Steve Atwater. They had Bill Romanowski. They had some really good players. Uh, So I think that the Packers losing wasn't seen as this horrible thing that kept big-time free agents away or really destroyed their confidence all that much. I honestly think that 1998 goes the same, whether or not the Packers are the defending Super Bowl champions or uh, or not. Uh, And I think Mike Holmgren would have left. Let's say they win the Super Bowl. Maybe they win back-to-back. I still think Holmgren leaves after 1998. I still think Favre has a lot of the same problems going forward. Uh, I don't see the team changing all that much. So, honestly, I think if the Packers win Super Bowl 32, it's certainly more fun for Packer fans. But I think 1998, maybe they win a game or two more. Um, I think maybe if they won one more game, let's say they have a boost of confidence or something, and they win one more game, uh, they get to host San Francisco, I think then they'd win. Maybe they get to go play Atlanta. Um, if anything, if, if they win one more game in 98, I think they could beat Atlanta, and then maybe the Minnesota Vikings have a Super Bowl in their uh, in their arsenal because I, I, I recently, within the last five years, just seen both of those 1998 uh, Packer games, and they get beat up really bad. I mean, they look like they're not even in Minnesota's league that year, and so I don't think that would have changed too much. So honestly... Um, I think if the Packers win Super Bowl 32, the Packers' history is nearly identical, except Packers have two Super Bowls instead of one. Uh, I think Brett Favre is probably remembered a little bit more fondly, but even with two Super Bowl wins, I still think people would remember him as kind of a choke artist in the second half of his season. I still think they get rid of him in favor of Aaron Rodgers, so I don't think this one has the uh, far-reaching implications that some of the uh, uh, other uh, events in Packers' history have. Yeah, and I hate to do this for the sake of a debate, but I, I agree with pretty much everything you said. That's pretty much everything that I you know, was thinking coming into it. Um, I think Holmgren leaves either way. I, winning two Super Bowls or winning one Super Bowl um, probably doesn't make too much of a difference if after the 98 season we get knocked out. He just wanted to be a general manager, and um, you know we weren't going to let him do that. Um, I know that you know, Ron Wolf retired a year after that, and I was reading some reports today that if they would have known that, they would have really liked to offer Holmgren the GM spot there too, but they didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but So I don't think winning a Super Bowl there really changes anything. Um, I, I don't think they would have kicked Ron Wolf out to let Holmgren be the GM if you know they didn't know Wolf was planning on retiring or moving on. So um, so I, th- I think I agree. I we look back on that Super Bowl now, and it doesn't seem like as big of an upset as it did then. That that Denver team was extremely talented, and maybe even more talented than the '97 Packers team was. Mm-hmm. Um, when you look back on, you know, some of the Hall of Famers or some of the great players that they had. Um, so they win the Super Bowl there, like you said. Packer fans are happy that we have, you know, five Super Bowls now instead of four. Um, the Favre has probably looked back on maybe a little better, just because he won that extra ring. Mm-hmm. But in terms of his overall career, it probably doesn't change a whole lot. Um, so I I think things really turn out pretty much the same, like you said. Um, I think Holmgren still goes. Uh, I think the Packers are pretty much right where they are today, other than, you you know, maybe we're a little happier that it happened this way because, like you said, maybe the Vikings would have ended up, you know, (laughs) winning a Super Bowl if we ended up, you know, maybe finishing a game or so better the next year. But, um, I agree. I, I think this is one, I think it's, you know, it's a great topic because we haven't really talked about this time period, but... I really don't think that, you know, other than us having an extra Super Bowl ring, it makes a huge difference in where we are now. So obviously having that extra ring at the time is a huge difference in Packer history. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of the follow-up and what happened afterwards, I don't think it has too much of an effect. Yeah, and I guess maybe for the sake of just kind of uh, spicing this up a little bit, um, let's just say, for instance, that Ron Wolf decides to call it a career after winning back-to-back Super Bowls. And they do offer the job to Mike Holmgren. 
and he does become the GM. How do you think that changes the Packers' uh, future? I don't think that would have happened, honestly. I think uh, Ron Wolf really wanted to stay and probably wanted to uh, see if he could win a third. But uh, let's say he does retire and they give Holmgren the job, and so he never goes to Seattle. He stays in Green Bay. Uh, how do you think that affects uh, the Green Bay Packers going forward if Mike Holmgren is here long-term beyond 1998? Okay. Um, well, obviously, I mean, the drafts probably completely changed, which is impossible to speculate on, you know, who Holmgren would have taken instead. Yeah. Um, in those couple of years, so maybe it changes a little bit there. I think Brett's development. I want to say that he, you know, he maybe de- keeps developing a little bit better and doesn't throw as many picks as he did the next few seasons. But we saw in '98 it kind of started to happen with Holmgren. So, you know, it, it's hard to say exactly how long Mike would have been around for after that. I mean, you look at what he's done since he was in Seattle and he left there, and now he's in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. It's it's really hard to speculate on on how long he would have stayed or what would have changed. I mean, the history would definitely be different. There's no doubt about that. It's, it's just kind of difficult to say. You know, we would have. We I don't think we would have won another Super Bowl in there after that with you know the teams we had. Um, but it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to speculate, I guess, for me. That's kind of what I was getting at too. Is uh, I think that's what people wonder a lot, and I don't think they wonder that as much anymore now that Holmgren's not coaching and they don't play him every season, and that the Packers have a really good coach now, and they have a really good quarterback, and they've won a Super Bowl since Holmgren and Favre have left. Uh, but, uh, obviously, I mean, he was in Seattle a long time. I think he was actually ended up being in Seattle longer than he was in Green Bay. And I still think uh, he's a really, really good coach, but I'm on board with you. I don't think they win another Super Bowl with Mike Holmgren. Uh, I think they had a really, really good team that, Mike, uh, that uh, Ron Wolf put together to win in the 90s. I mean, if anything, like, I, I would imagine that, if they hadn't a won in '96 and then they hadn't a won in '97, they would have start, you know, taking the team apart after '98. Anyways, I mean that team really built itself a nice window to win from about '94 to '98, and then after that, I mean, look at all the new faces that were on the team. I mean, look at that '98 Holmgren team, and then look at Sherman's first team in 2000, and how drastically different it is. And then look at Holmgren's team from 2002. I know four seasons is a long time in the NFL, but that 2002 team is doesn't look anything like that 1998 team, and that's not that difference. I mean, the, the, the difference between that, and, uh, the, the 2002 team, and the 98 team is the difference between today's team and the uh, 08 team with Aaron Rodgers and all the guys we have now. Uh, so I, I really think that uh, either way, Holmgren would have had to rebuild the team. I don't think it would have been drastically different. I can't imagine as far as his picks being much worse than Mike Sherman's and like I said, I think uh, Mike Sherman's a pretty good coach. I think Holmgren's a better coach. So I, I think, honestly, I think their playoff history is pretty darn similar. And you look at what he did with Seattle, I think the Packers are there every year. Maybe they make it in 99. Maybe they make it in 2000. Uh, maybe they have a 49ers-like run of making the playoffs every year, but I really don't think they seriously challenge to win the Super Bowl many other times uh, with Holmgren as uh, the head coach. Uh, so I guess there's our, our what-if topic for this week. Uh, thanks, Joseph. Uh, read them and weep more. Um, I guess it would have been nice to see the uh, the Denver Broncos weep a little bit there. But uh, I think either way, it would have been a real, it would have been a better night uh, on January 25th, 1998, if the Green Bay Packers would have won. But I think the subsequent days and years wouldn't have been much different. Uh, maybe I'd be a more positive Packer fan. I think that might have been when my cynicism was born, staring at that TV screen with John Elway on people's shoulders, uh, 31-24 with a high shot of uh, Qualcomm Stadium is pretty much burned in my brain as the first time when I realized that football isn't always fun, having been a fan uh, of pretty much a constant upgrowth uh, streak from about late 94 when I started watching uh, through Super Bowl 32, so maybe that's the big change. Maybe I'd be sitting here thinking uh, the Packers uh, were going to win every single game every single year, uh, but maybe that's Super Bowl 32 is to blame for my cynicism. Uh, is that is that how you see it, Matt? No, I, I think you'd probably still be about the same. We've had enough heartbreaks since then that you'd probably be right where you're at now. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, mean, I had my fair share of uh, chances after that. Um, but thanks again for the topic, and we would love to get more topics from all of you out there for uh, what-if segments. Uh, this is probably my favorite part of the show each week. Uh, I love to talk Packers history, uh, and uh, Matt does too, obviously. So uh, hopefully you guys can send us some more great ideas like uh, Joseph uh, in Chattanooga did.
So that wraps it up for episode five of Green and Gold Forever. And uh, we'll try to get to you uh, really soon here, uh, maybe next week after Packers Family Night. But once the games start with the preseason, um, we are going to try to do an episode every single week that you can uh, hear on either Monday or Tuesday. And uh, hopefully you'll join us for those and get some of our comments. Hopefully we can bring back the rant room then. Uh, obviously, uh, if you've heard us allude to from time to time, I can be a little animated after games, so I'll, I'll, I'll try to tone it down a little bit. But uh, we might have some more interesting things to say when we have a, a product that we can analyze every week. So uh, look for us coming up soon here, and hopefully next time we can start talking some fantasy football as well. Uh, me and Matt are going to play. Of course, last year I trounced him in the divisional round of our playoffs, and uh, he's real mad at me for it, and he's going to try to get back at me. Uh, but we hope to see you then. Uh, the season is almost here, just a couple weeks till preseason, and uh, hopefully a week or so, and uh, we'll talk to you again. Take care, everyone.